Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Matthew 4, 12 through 23. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that, when, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he, as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. That's the, uh, the word of the Lord for us today. Well, last week we looked at Jesus' baptism, or Matthew's account of it anyway. And uh, in Jesus' baptism, one of the things that we said was that as Jesus goes down and he comes back up, he's making this declaration uh, that he is going to be 100% faithful and obedient uh, to, the, to the will of God the Father, um, that he's going to be the Messiah in the kind of way that, that God had imagined, or God has planned for him to be the Messiah. I know it's weird to talk about that because we, Jesus is God, we confess that, fully God and fully human, um, but he's still like that human side is pulling for him to, to, not, uh, to not suffer in the way that he's going to suffer. Well, we left Jesus' baptism um, with the a dove coming down and sitting on his, his shoulder or whatever and saying, and the voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so God's like, yes, this is, this is going according to plan. Uh, and then Jesus goes out into the wilderness and for 40 days he doesn't eat anything and the devil comes and tempts him with three different temptations. One, to turn a stone into bread because he's, you know, he's hungry because he hasn't eaten 40 days. And Jesus is like, no, I won't use my, I won't use my power and authority to, to serve my own needs. And then, and then the devil says, hey, I think that you should go to the top of the temple and jump off. Because if you really are who you say you are, then nothing's going to happen. You won't even stub your little toe. It'll be all good. And Jesus is like, no, no, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put God to the test. I'm not going to test anything that way. I'm, I'm going to continue on my path. And then the thir- third and final one, the devil comes to him and says, hey. And he shows him the whole picture of all the world, whole world. And he says, if you will bow down to me and worship me, I'll give you authority over all of this. And, uh, and Jesus is like, yeah, whatever. That's mine anyway. Go away. And so Satan goes away. That's my, my rough translation uh, of that. Go away. And so Jesus gets done with that time. And, 
And he's once again affirmed 100% his, uh, the way in which his uh, messiahship, his life is going to go. It's not going to be a life that serves himself or uses his own power to benefit himself or even just his friends because I think that's what Israel wanted. They, wanted. they wanted a Messiah king who was going to be like King David and was going to kick the Romans out of town and, and restore everything and, and be Israel's salvation. And Jesus comes to be Israel's salvation, but he comes to be the salvation not just of the, the Jews, but of everyone. And the salvation will come not through the sword, but through the cross, death and resurrection. So that's where we, we, we pick the story up. And uh, Jesus is going to use his power to serve and love all of creation. Well, we, we begin to get, um, we begin to get the, the story, and uh, Matthew picks it up, and he says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee, and he left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the land and territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. So that what had been spoken by the prophet Isaiah must be filled. Land of Zebulon, land of Natali, on the road of, by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in, a, in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who have sat in the region and shadow of death, a light has dawned. So he's, he's quoting this passage of scripture from Isaiah 9. And, and if you hang around churches during Advent time or right before Christmas, this is, this is one of those passages that gets uh, preached on and read in those certain situations. Uh, because Israel was sitting in, well, they were, they were in the land of darkness. And, and Jesus was coming, needed to come to shed light on things. Now I want you to use um, your imagination just a little bit. Uh, I, I often ask you to use your imagination, and I think it's, it's good. I won't make you, like, close your eyes and stare off because I've been told nobody likes to do that. Uh, <laughs> but I want you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine a situation that you've been in your life where it has been dark or mostly dark. All right, you got that? Um, some, of my, some of my memories of uh, mostly darkness was, was going hunting with my dad. And um, so we grew up in Pennsylvania, and we didn't have uh, any land of our own or know anybody that had any land. So we would have to get up crazy early in the morning and drive for like three hours and walk three miles into the woods where nobody else was in, in pitch black and then sit there and wait for the sun to come up. Any, any of you have similar experiences? Yeah, yeah. I see that hand. Um, and so when you're sitting there in the dark especially when you're hunting, right? You're, you're excited for uh, what possibly might happen. Now, I will tell you, I have never, ever, ever shot a deer because we never, ever saw any deer. Um, so, uh, I mean, like, obviously I know what they look like, but I would sit there and, you know, it's, it's that those moments right before dawn and uh, the light starts to come in, but you can't really see, you can't really see, and you're, you're hearing things because it's quiet and like the wind rustles and, and you think that you see movement, but it's not really there. It's just kind of rustling and you're like, well, it's not light enough. I can't shoot it. And, you know, it's probably good that you don't shoot your gun when it's dark because, you know, it might be a person. But uh, it's it just the darkness obscures things, right? It, it, it makes things seem not quite as, as they are. 
Or perhaps, uh, maybe to change the image just a little bit, you're in a dark room. Let's pretend you've been in a dark room for quite a while, um, and, and you've learned a little bit, anyway, how to navigate that room. Uh, you know where the pieces of furniture are, uh, roughly. You can kind of shuffle your feet around and, and kind of feel it. Uh, you, you may be able to, to navigate from one chair to the next, or, I don't know, to the dark bathroom, or, or whatever it might be, uh, but you've missed the richness and the fullness of what the room looks like. Uh, you don't know that the couch has a floral print on it. Or you, you don't know that the coffee table is, is uh, really nice and on that coffee table there's lots of different magazines. You may know there's magazines, but you didn't know what kind of magazines they are. We'll stick with the hunting theme. I don't know. Outdoor life. Uh, and it, it's only until, it's only until the light comes that you begin to notice in fullest, greatest detail what the woods looks like. And you realize that 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 thing you thought was a buck's antlers was actually just a branch swaying in the breeze. Uh, And and the light comes on in the room and and you realize, wow, this is is not at all what I had imagined. Uh, It's so much... It's so much more beautiful than, than I could have imagined or understood in, well, while I was still in the darkness. I think this is an appropriate image for, well, for Christianity and for, for Matthew as he's talking about Jesus. I think that humanity, uh, certainly the people of Israel, uh, that we've lived in, uh, well, we've lived in darkness. And Jesus came to kind of flip on the right light came to raise the the sun so we might see the world as God intended it to be uh, in its detail and its richness and its uh, in its beauty uh, and just to, to observe all of it because we've well when we don't know what the room looks like or what the woods look like I think we have a, a tendency maybe to I don't know not regard it as important uh, to see only, maybe concentrate on only the bad things that happen, like the time that you almost ripped your pinky toe off on the coffee table leg, you know, as you're learning the dark, dark room. Uh, we focus only on what's broken and bad. And Jesus comes and says, ah, here, have some light. Look at this beauty over here. Look at this, this grace. Uh, look at this forgiveness. Uh, it's all here. It's the world is good, and I'm going to make it even better. I'm going to redeem and restore all those things. You will never, ever stub your pinky toe on the coffee table again. I I think it brings all of the good things into light. I think this is super important for us as Christians because we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge that, that our world and the people in it are worth something. That we see them in the light of who Jesus is. And, and we notice the richness of who they are, the detail, the beauty of, of the broken people that surround us. And then we're able to, to love and appreciate them more. I think a lot of people have this image of the light, maybe, as we're talking about it. Um, in... in I watch like dystopian action movies that are 
like B-rated. I don't know. They're just all bad, right? They're terrible. Um, and, and in a lot of those movies, there's someone who's been held hostage or like who's, who's gotten kidnapped and they're being interrogated for information about, you know, where the money is or to confess to some kind of crime. And inevitably in those situations, the, the person is in a dark room and there's like just one single light, right, that's illuminating that person. And I think, I think a lot of people have that understanding of Jesus bringing the light, uh, that, that it's just harsh spotlight that exposes all of, uh, all of our bad things, all of the, the evil and the brokenness, uh, that's judgmental and, and harsh. It's going to leave you feeling way worse than when you walked in in the first place. Uh, while I think that Jesus' light uh, helps reveal the things in us that are broken, that helps reveal like the the sins that we might need to work on that helps reveal our selfishness and our uh, our greed and all those kinds of things I, Jesus life definitely exposes those things but it's not in a way that says confess or die at least I don't think Jesus is coming into the world he has come in this part to bring life and light to transform the darkness of the world uh, into something that is known and seen for the beauty and the glory in which it was created. So we have, uh, we have this. And Matthew goes on. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I think that's our response to the light, right? Uh, and, and all repent means is like the to turn around. Like you're walking in one direction and you end up walking and, and going the other way. It's, it's away from sin, but it's towards Jesus, the light. And I think we only know that we need to repent maybe as the light comes and shines on us, revealing to us those, those sinful things too. Uh, well, this, this kind of uh, ties in with what John was doing when Jesus ended up getting baptized. Uh, He's calling the world to be different and better. Uh, to give up being selfish and self-serving. Uh, but to, to give and live and love selflessly. Uh, the second section of this, um, second section of this is, is weird. Because Jesus calls us to fish for people. And I know we, we've got like a, a metaphor for that. But here we go. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brothers, James and John, uh, sons of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, some things are, are really important here. Uh, the, the words that Jesus used for follow me here, it's, it's, uh, it's more than just come and walk with me for a little while. Um, follow me to, you know, we'll go get some fish and have dinner. Uh, in, in Jesus' day, it was an invitation to, to sit and study and learn from a master teacher, from a rabbi. And that's what Jesus would have been. 
it, it, is, it is a call uh, to deepen your understanding of, of who God is and what God created us to do and, and how we're supposed to live in, in faithfulness and obedience. If the first part of this passage uh, is really about repentance and entering into the kingdom of God through salvation or whatever we want to talk about it, uh, this particular part is about discipleship. Like learning to be like Christ. See, I don't think that Jesus just exposes the world for what it is in its goodness and its badness uh, so that we can stay the same. I think Jesus exposes the world and its goodness and its badness so that we might follow him and walk in the places that he walks and live in the way that he lived. Again, we got we got to contrast that with his temptation, right? It's not, it's not selfishness, not using what you have for your own benefit necessarily, but, but that you're always looking for how you might love uh, others. Um, so it's an invitation, uh, invitation to sit at the feet of a master and learn. Now, I, I, I have a. I don't know how to put this here. Um, I think salvation and discipleship are together, right? Like it's never just enough to be like, to pray the magic prayer and then to be done with it. Like Jesus calls for repentance, but then he always at the same time calls for us to follow. Uh, to learn to live in love. Now, um, just in the, in the context of everything, we had that conversation with April, and, and for whatever reason, I'm filtering a lot of my thoughts through that conversation. I think, I think that um, sometimes we want people to just know everything. We want the light to have come to illuminate everything, and, and that people who end up you know, turning and repenting that they should just, or that we should just know absolutely all there is to know and that we should be able to behave always in the way that, that Jesus asks us to behave. But I wonder if Jesus' bringing of the light is more, well, I mean, it's coming. And Jesus came to bring light. He's going to finally and fully bring it when he comes back. But I wonder if at different points in our lives that like the light only comes and illuminates just a little bit because we won't let it shine very bright. Or we find a way to block it off. Or, or that maybe God knows that we can, only, we can only deal with so much change at any one time. Now, I know there's people who, who are deeply mired in things and they begin a relationship with Jesus and they're just instantly changed. I, I, I don't think that's the norm. I think that's maybe the exception. I think for most of us, it is this lifelong struggle to understand what the light has shown us. That, that where, where you and I are in our journey of following Jesus is perhaps where we should be. I used to... Um, so I knew, I, went, I, I knew God had called me to be a pastor since like my sophomore year of high school. 
And uh, so, you know, when you know that kind of thing, you pay attention to people who you're going to do their job, you know. Um, and so I would look at pastors and, like, older people, and they would just be able to, to oh, they just like, could quote scripture like nobody's business. Um, they knew all these things, and I always felt really, really guilty <laughs> that, I, that I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I, like, I could, I could spend all day, every day trying to memorize scripture, and, like, maybe a tenth of it would stick in a saying it verbatim kind of way. But then I had this really freeing moment where I realized that, that where I was in my growth, in my, my physical growth even, my spiritual and emotional growth, my growth in knowledge was, was where I was. And I, and I didn't necessarily have to feel guilty about not being what some other Christian looked like. And that gave me all sorts of freedom. It gave me freedom to, to dive into the faith and to what churches and, and have all those conversations about those things and, and just soak it up knowing that, yeah, I'm, I'm growing. I'm not fully there yet. I don't know that I'll ever really get there all the way. I think when we, when we maybe take this passage and we understand that bit by bit that Jesus is revealing to us our own well our own immaturity if you will uh, saying this is where you are keep following me we'll, we'll get to where you're supposed to go together and I think that once once we accept that about ourselves uh, that I am where I am in my growth and my maturity I think that gives us permission to have a lot more grace with other people and I'm not just talking like people outside of the church who desperately need Jesus I I think I'm talking about like in our interactions with each other as a church Uh, that we keep in mind like oh, I'm not where I'm ultimately going to be and that person isn't either and and to give grace where grace is needed because we need it all the time as well. But I definitely think, uh, well, that's, that should be our, our attitude towards the world around us too. Uh, that where people are is, is where they are. And that Jesus is slowly shining the light on them. And perhaps maybe even using us to shine the light as well. To invite them to look and to see, ah, look at the beauty, look at the grace that's in this world. Ah, look at that, that dirty spot on you. <laughs> Here, let's figure out how to get rid of that together. Does that make any kind of sense? Jesus calls us, yes, to repent. And that's part of it. He brings the light so that we might do that. And he always calls us to follow. Follow so that we might grow continually. Knowing, though, that where we are is where we are. We can then come alongside other folks and help them to follow Jesus as well.
we're going to receive the Lord's Supper here in a second. And uh, I do think, I do think this is one of those uh, maybe illuminating times, hopefully, or it can be for us, uh, that, we, that we remember we remember what Jesus has done, who Jesus is in his core, someone who is faithful and obedient, who's going to bring about uh, salvation for the world, not through the way we think, but through love and faithfulness and service. That in a way we can't fully understand that his life and his death has shown the light of the beauty and grace of this world on us. But that it has also, also shown us what we need to work on too. I think this meal, though, is the ultimate expression of where you are is where you are. Because we don't have to come to this table to eat uh, perfect. We, we come to it as sinners who are in the process of being saved, who are in the process of having the Spirit help us to root out sin. Uh, it's, it's why it's called a means of grace. It is a gift. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.